The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Good morning and welcome to The Home Show with me, Lorraine Keane, standing in for Sinead Ryan. On the show today, we'll be chatting to the most famous quantity surveyor in Ireland, Joanne Condon, furniture artist, upcycler and author on her new book, TV's Home of the Year judge, Hugh Wallace. And with summer well and truly here, Arlene McIntyre from Ventura Design is here to tell us how to style our homes for the summer. If you'd like to get in touch with us on the show today, then you can text The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you can find me on Instagram at Lorraine Keane Official. Now... We are here almost in the middle of June and it's starting to properly feel like summer. I hope the sun is shining where you are. And I want to talk to you about something I did yesterday because I haven't done it for a long time, probably over three years. The Docklands in Dublin. Now, I know, obviously, since I've been there, it was well and truly developed at that stage. But it is just phenomenal. I mean, what a buzz. The atmosphere, like it just feels like such a a really cosmopolitan city. Uh, obviously the sun helps but um, but yeah, I kind of had Lisbon or Copenhagen vibes. Um, all the restaurants, such a choice of restaurants the, oh gosh, Energy Theatre obviously. And then I think the nation's favourite building the RIAI Irish Architect Awards last year they chose, I think it was 10 to 12 Hanover Quay as uh, their favourite building so it's also worth a look. But honestly I actually did feel like I was on holidays. And on the subject of holidays and fabulous architecture, my first guest today is just back from a very well-deserved sun holiday. And he's sitting across from me here in the studio, a ray of sunlight, looking relaxed and not too judgy like today. In the pink. In the pink. I just love that look. (laughs) Judgy, I've got a habit of making up words. So I have to be very careful. Disclaimer alert. Peter says I'm fluent in speaking Lorraine. Um, Anyway, to continue with my gorgeous first guest, he is, of course, a judge on Home of the Year, winning architect, television personality and founding partner of Douglas Wallace Consultants. Hugh Wallace, you're very welcome to The Home Show. A very good morning to you (laughs) on a beautiful day. I know. And you've had beautiful weather on your holidays. You're looking very bronzed. Where were you? Then Lanzarote, great time. Hired a car for the first time. Having been there for about eight visits before, just love it. Mm -hmm. But it was great to walk around the volcanoes. Extraordinary. And I've been there because I went the first year with my mum and we didn't hire a car. And the second year I went with Peter, my then boyfriend, now husband, and we did hire a car because the weather wasn't great. And there are parts of that island that I didn't know existed, but like really untouristy, very authentic little fishing villages where you feel like you have the beach to yourself. Well, the whole thing is amazing and so clean. That's what I couldn't get over. There wasn't a bit of paper anywhere. Up the mountains, in the town, nowhere. Shame on us. I hate when you see our beaches the way they are. Oh my goodness. Where is your favourite place to to go? Because on your Instagram, you talk about loving cooking and travel. Yeah, I love cooking and travelling. I think it's amazing. That's the best bit about the holiday is food. And, you know, eating different things, wondering Mm. what they are, particularly when you go to the Middle East. And that's... Fabulous. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, I was lucky enough to work in Algeria, which was an extraordinary country. And the French left in 63 after a horrible civil war. And basically somebody turned the key in the door. So all the buildings are exactly as they were 
in 63. So it's an architectural treat. But more importantly, I love offal. And they cook offal on these grills. So they use heart and liver. All those yummy bits. Oh, stop. That's the only thing I don't eat. I go to France and I always say, because the French eat everything, brains, the whole lot. So when I'm asked in a restaurant, you know, is there anything, one of these tasting menus, I always say, pas d'abat, because d'abat is awful. So I'll eat everything except... Oh, organs. it's the best stuffed, Ugh. stuffed no. heart. Ooh. Oh, what a treat! Okay, we're going to move slices <laughs> of liver with <laughs> onions. Oh, I'm starting to regret heaven. asking you about this now. Heaven. <laughs> well, can you actually switch off when you're on holidays, Hugh? Oh yeah, it takes three days, <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> yeah. So I find a ten-day holiday is just perfect, okay. because those extra th- three days really make it a holiday. Yeah. And that's what's great. What about city breaks though? I think they're kind of my favourite thing to do, especially around Europe. Yeah, now we do a city break at Christmas, between Christmas and New Year. Mm-hmm. And that's a fabulous time to go to places like Madrid or Barcelona. Or Lanzarote. Or Lanzarote. No, I think the weather in Lanzarote is a bit dodgy. Okay. Over over the Christmas period. So you're better off, I think, doing a city break or getting on the bike and going down to Egypt and look at the odd little sort of pyramid or something like that. Gorgeous. We had a great trip uh, on in 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 uh, Egypt down the Nile, and we were lucky enough to be on Omar Sharif's private yacht. Uh, Go with, away! Yeah, it was just made with thirty six guests, <gasps> and mind blowing. Wow! Fabulous! Okay. Just fabulous! A must. Okay, well, you know, mightn't get on the yacht, but like. Yeah, I'll just, a camel. Camel? No, don't do the camels. They're very smelly. God, are they smelly. You have to bring lots of aftershave. (laughs) Now, the last time you were on the show, Hugh, um, to bring the subject to a little bit more of a a sombre one, unfortunately, the housing crisis is something that you're extremely passionate about. Yes. And you wrote an article in the Irish Times. Actually, it was a Dear Santa letter. Yeah. And it was your wish list and what you thought would help to fix the housing crisis. So the number of people recorded as homeless has increased since then. What do you think, remind us, can be done and needs to be done? You know, this is like the elephant in the room. And when you're given such a big issue and problem, It's indigestible. And I think that the government's response to the problem is indigestible. And they need to hack off, you know, they need to attack a leg and get on with it. But everything has has a double entendre with the government. So on one hand, they give you grants, Mm -hmm. but then those grants are only so limited to four categories that they should really come with health warnings. So if you take the vacant property tax... You can only get that if you're a first-time buyer, you have medical reasons, or you've sold a house to somebody else who's using it as their primary residence, or you're now going to rent it. Okay. But So it does come with health warnings. Mm-hmm. And therefore, on one hand they give, but on the other hand they take back. Mm-hmm. And so it's a bit like the SAA grants. So the maximum grant is 27500 You've had to spend 60000 to get the 27500 But on the 60000 you pay uh, that on the entire. That should be removed from uh, doing up your house or, in fact, in retrofitting in particular. So 
you that fat should be taken off. It's just perverse. So, as yes. I said, on one hand, they're giving it to you. Yeah. But on the other hand, they're taking it back. Because I know there was discussions recently about um, maybe following our European counterparts and not having fitted kitchens and fitted bathrooms. And I heard you actually on this uh, station talking to um, the presenter at the time saying that you're talking about saving seven or eight thousand maybe, That's you know, in the long run yeah. by not having a, a kitchen or, or a bathroom included. It's the VAT that's actually killing. It's VAT. The VAT should buyer. be off. VAT should be off all residential property, with the exception of people who are buying for commercial reasons, and then the VAT should not be deductible. And if you did that, then everybody be on the level playing field, and it would give first-time buyers a real opportunity to enter into the market. There's a huge number of properties genuinely coming on the market in the second half of this year. But unfortunately, they'd be just overpriced. Okay, so what are we talking about um, percentage-wise then of that that's being charged? 13.5%. My goodness. So if all that went, that would be a huge saving. Absolutely. But it should also put buyers on the level playing field of the commercial uh, owners and Mm -hmm. people who are buying large-scale properties. Would you ever think of going into politics for us, Hugh? Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, you're very passionate about it. It's I, an area I'm very, you're really I'm very about. passionate about this because I, I think it's all bizarre. So I would know of examples mm-hmm. where in property you write in to, to, you get a housing agency, the housing agency say, um, write into the council. The council say, yes, we'll take this development as part of our social and affordable and uh, housing. But in one case I know the council made a bid for a prom- for the development which is correct but then the housing agency outbid them. So they're actually pushing property prices up. So the councils are actually pushing property prices up. So there's a whole gambit going on but the, the nub issue is that we are not developing and producing enough homes in the right locations at all. Somebody walked around saying we need 30,000. We don't. We need 50 or 60,000 a year for the next five to six years to just keep our head above the water. And nobody's talking about that. We're building houses in the wrong location. There never will be public transport that's of any use to anyone. And it's not sustainable. And we need to have a much bigger conversation as society about this. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the reality is we shouldn't be building semi-detached houses in the countryside. That should be just put an end to. There are more than ample brownfield sites in our towns, cities, all over the country to accommodate the changing demographics mm-hmm. that are taking place in Ireland. And you think we need um, an executive at national and Correct. local level? Executive at national level, which Mm -hmm. says, here's what we're doing. And we do have to tell people that unfortunately you won't be able to buy a two bed or a three bed or a four bed house in the countryside because you have to live where it's sustainable. Okay, still think you need to take that position, go for that job. I tell you. Ah. (laughs) Let's talk about sustainability because that is kind of the the topic. Of, of the moment and as it should be um, and about time. How do you see Ireland in that space at the moment? Well, I think we fudge it 
uh, which is what we're uh, so the politicians are are it's like the good old you know push the tire down the road they're in pol- in politics they're there for five years that's their term and they have to be seen to be fabulous in five years or if they can't do it in five years they don't care because they're not going to hand over the trophy to whoever is next in government and that's a big problem and national housing needs to be taken out of politicians hands and it needs to have a body that has a 25 year vision mm-hmm. of how we're going to address housing sustainability and be honest mm-hmm. and we're going to have to talk about filling in Clontarf Bay and we're going to have to f- talk about filling in Sandy Mount imagine that conversation Ooh. <laughs> That'll be a bit of fun, won't it? Let's talk about architecture. Yum, um, yum. Yes, yum, yum for, for you and for me, actually. It's an area I love. You were, I spoke about the Dublin Docklands. Yes. And at the start of the show there and how impressed I am with that development over the last number of years. You are working on a similar development in Waterford, yeah, I believe. Amazing. Tell us about that. How's amazing. it going? It's super. It's a kilometre and a half long of waterfront wow. on the north side of Waterford. So all of a sudden you'll have Waterford City will be balanced. But even better is this fa- this site faces south. So you get all that sunshine coming in and it will have apartments, offices, food and beverage, hotels and tourism. Gorgeous. And it'll be a very much a mixed development, sustainable. Mm-hmm. It'll be as good as zero in terms of carbon emissions and the entire development. Isn't that brilliant? It is, yeah. But I think that that we shouldn't think that's brilliant. That's the way it should be. That should right? be the norm. Mm-hmm. And and like Harcourt Development, who, who are the developers for this, are really insisting that we look at sustainability as a core of our architectural proposal of how we're going to provide solutions. Mm-hmm. And that's very important. It's about the public realm. It's about how you interact with buildings. More importantly, how buildings talk to us, particularly at the street level. Mm-hmm. And I find that when you go up an awful lot of streets today in Ireland where there are new developments, the buildings no longer talk to us. In fact, they shut their doors to us and we find ourselves being intimidated. And that's one of the big problems that we have to address. Mm-hmm. That, in fact, people like chaos And our streetscapes should be chaotic because that stimulates our mind and gets us excited and gets us comfortable. Oh, I could talk to you all day. (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't have time. Hugh Wallace, you're so lovely. Thank you for coming in and joining me in studio today. Remind everybody of your social, please, before you go so they can keep in touch with you. Oh, Hugh Wallace, architect. Great. So HughWallace.com is the website and your Instagram is Douglas Wallace underscore consultants. That's it. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Hugh. Thank you so much. Welcome back to The Home Show with me, Lorraine Keane. Don't forget, you can text us at 53106 for 30 cent. Now, Joanne Condon is a furniture artist and upcycler and is about to release a new book called Furniture Flipping. Welcome to The Home Show, Joanne. Thanks, Lorraine. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so lovely to talk to you. Firstly, congratulations on your new book. This is your second? Yeah, it's my second book. Yeah. And how did you find the whole kind of process 
of writing it? Um, it was a little bit different to my first book because I self-published my first book. That was Furniture Crush? Furniture yes. Crush, yeah. And so this time it was a, it was a little bit different. Um, I suppose I had a little bit more pressure, but I, I put a lot of pressure on myself anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great to have somebody like to kind of bounce ideas back from and with the, the publishers were amazing. Um, so to be able to like talk to my uh, editor regularly was a great addition like to something I hadn't experienced on my yeah. previous book. So that was brilliant. I found that real helpful. Um, yes. Just a little bit of guidance. Like. You weren't a lone ranger like you were no. the first time, right? <laughs> yes, that's yeah, it, yeah. yeah. An absolutely beautiful book. Not Thanks. only a fantastic read, but just even the look of it, the cover, the colours, it's the type of thing that you would want displayed in your home. Yeah, that, yeah. the 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 designer did an amazing job, but like all the small little details, I'm a, I'm a devil for the details, so they kind of carry that through throughout the book, which I was really uh, impressed with on their part as well. So it all just yeah. seemed to work out great and flowed great in the end. Oh, well done. The book is called Furniture Flips. Explain to us. What do you mean by furniture flipping? So it's like taking something old and revamping it and giving a whole new lease of life. So completely flipping maybe its original function or the complete look of it. So I love like when I upcycle a piece of furniture and people are like, is that the same piece? Because they're not sure is it the same one because you've done so much uh, work to it and you've like given it a whole new lease of life. And, a, um, and I absolutely love that. And plus you've con- total control over what colours you can put onto it and what designs you can put onto it. So it's a real like creative process too. And you're addicted, I, I yeah. <laughs> heard you're addicted to actually repainting and upcycling furniture. Yeah. Have you been doing it for a long time? I've been doing it, uh, I suppose, full time for about 13 years now. So I, my mind goes straight to, to furniture, everything. Like whether I see someone in the street with a dress on, I'm like, oh, that colour combination would work really well on, on a piece of furniture. Wow. So it's just like in my mind all the time. Yeah. I think once you start, you can just see like the potential in everything. Do you know, like in every piece of furniture, you can really see like... Um, like even when you go to people's houses I always find it's really hard to be like if you painted that that would be lovely do you know what I mean it's, yes. it's kind of hard to switch it off I think once you start you're well ahead of your time I and mean, when you think about it now you know yeah. we're all talking about sustainable furniture and upcycling and reusing yeah and like when I started it was really hard to find old pieces now it's a lot easier like it was impossible there was no like secondhand furniture shops in that time it was all new stuff um, so when, like when I was building my house I had envisioned like turquoise dressers and like pink chairs and I couldn't find them so the next best thing was to go look at older pieces and then you kind of fall down that hole you know like they're made so well they're so yes. sturdy like they they stand the test of time and built then, to last oh exactly mm. like I painted a, a kitchen chairs for somebody and um, they were 40 years old before I got them and they were so sturdy like in a farmhouse they were like, do you know, amazing? that just yeah. gives a, a great, like, indication of, like, the craftsmanship so that's gone into that. It's not, like, screwed together. It's, yes. like, really sturdy and made to last the test of time, like, you know. And then if you're going to upcycle them and you're buying them pre-loved, as we say now, used to be secondhand or yeah. vintage or antique, I assume you're getting them at a better price as well. Oh, way better price. Like, for the quality of what you're getting is unbelievable. Like, you know a lot of people be like oh like maybe they don't have the budget or they might mm-hmm. say like oh like I'll just buy a cheaper uh, piece of furniture but that breaks really easily and then it ends up in landfill because it's made so cheap like with chipboard it breaks there's no way of mending that again like you know it's kind of it's it's finished so it ends mm-hmm. up in landfill and then it, re- the cycle repeats yes. so like we hear a lot now like about fast fashion like fast furniture is the next um, category in the landfill mm-hmm. that's growing really fast so it's like you'll probably hear about it more and more as time goes on now as well Mm-hmm. Um, but like the craftsmanship and those older pieces are unbelievable. Like they're 
like it's it's amazing like they really do last hundreds of years like you get pieces hundreds of years old do you know even and they're still alive so therefore you're going to get yeah the same again yeah in longevity and as I said the the book is a beautiful read but it's also um got very practical kind of easy to follow projects there are 25 in total and as you say, you've been upcycling for over a decade now. Yeah. How did you narrow it down to just 25 projects? Know, How did you really, pick them out? It's really hard. I suppose um, I'm, um, I used to be an art teacher and like I suppose I have that background as well. So I'm always looking at um, like even things I would use in the art room when I was teaching, like to try and transfer it. And sometimes like if I if I go online and I can't find that technique used before, I'm mm-hmm. like really excited so I kind of hold on to it. So oh. I could hold on to some of those ideas for a few years, you yeah. know. And yeah. um, like for, I suppose in the back of my mind, I was like, that'd be great for a new, a, another book. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Save yeah. that one for later. Yeah. Uh, I also love the way you've broken it down to beginners, intermediate and confident yeah. furniture flippers. Tell us about that. Yeah, so like I suppose if you ju- have just started, it'll take you through the whole journey. Like I always find that if you uh, learn a few techniques, you're always hungry to learn more. So I feel like the book will take you through that process. Or if you have done a few pieces and maybe you want to try a few different techniques, it's there for um, pe- those people as well or people that want to push the boundaries on um, upcycling too. Like they maybe they've done it for a few years and they want something completely different and unique that that's there for them as well. So mm-hmm. um, just trying to, I suppose, cater to everybody. Um, yes. Yeah. And it means then that for people who kind of have the ideas, but they're afraid to, to yeah. you know, how to follow it through. Yeah, exactly. That's what I love about this book, because it really does guide you every step of the way with photographs and and also the kind of materials you need. Yeah, exactly. What to ask for when you go into the, yeah, the decor the shop, shop or yeah. the hardware shop. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, so what would the top tips be then for people that maybe haven't done this before? Um, uh, the f- first tip I could give anyone is always take your time I always find that people are rushing they want to paint their kitchen in a weekend or in a day and then you're adding a layer of stress on so like having fun is the most important thing like while you're learning Yeah. Um, the next thing then would be always prep your piece like like the prep is nearly your finishing your piece it's just that's okay. what's going to like stand the test of time it can be really confusing with there's loads of different paint brands kind of saying like you don't have to prep but you really do no matter what paint brand you're using I would say like the key really is to the prep so give it a clean down a sand and a prime and then once that's done nothing can go wrong after that like clean, once you have sand yeah. prime because yes. there's there are primers out there i believe that you don't need to to sand down the furniture yeah, Do they i work? know they say that yeah <laughs> but like sanding it's only scuffing the surface you're not taking back any finish or anything like that and it makes a huge difference so i found i've I love testing products as well. So I found that like if you don't sand and you like a piece of furniture gets a chip on that primer, you can nearly peel it off like a plaster. Like, do you know, like it comes off. But that tiny, it only takes a few seconds to scuff sand it, really like helps your primer stick onto your piece of furniture. Okay. And I know there's loads of brands that say you don't have to do that, but it's really, really important. And if you put that little extra bit of work in at the top, yeah. the finish is going to be better at Exactly. The end. Yeah, yeah. You're putting so much work into that piece of furniture anyway. Yes. So you might as well just... Why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a beautiful old mahogany armoire that I bought in the Victorian Interiors Company actually in Dundalk and my plan was to paint it. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually it's in perfect condition and it almost feels like a shame to, to, uh, yeah. to paint it. What would you do? Um, so if you like the wood grain in it, you could give it a whitewash. You're still seeing all the wood grain that's mm. on the piece. But you're giving it like a, a lighter finish almost. So you could like sand it back. Um, 
that there's probably a little bit more work in sanding it back completely because to give it a whitewash, it has to be like a bare wood. Yes. Um, but there, you could get a paint stripper. There's really good paint strippers now that are eco-friendly so that you don't have to be wearing like masks and gloves. You know, it's all like eco-friendly products. Um, so you don't need a ve- well-ventilated area. Like that would probably take your time down a lot um, when you need to sand it back. But sometimes you don't have to paint everything. <laughs> I know, but maybe the inside. I could paint yes, the inside or I wallpaper the inside. You could, yeah, like party on the inside that's what I like so you open and open it and you have a little pop (laughs) of colour yeah Yeah. Um, or even like an area of it like you know uh, what's really on trend now is that dip dipped look so maybe the end like quarter might be painted a colour like in your colour scheme and just modernise it a little bit yeah just to modernise even a a new handle can modernise it as well like a nice brass handle or something just to um, elevate it a little bit I think I'm just going to have to attend one of your workshops yeah, you can Don't anytime. Let Tell me us know. about them. I know you, you're still doing them. Yeah, I absolutely online love them. as well. Yeah, so I teach them online. I teach them in person. Um, but the in person ones are great. They're like you like usually take about ten people. Everyone's buzzing like at the start. Everyone's looking at each other's ideas. Yeah. Um, and people can get real creative. They're always kind of a little bit scared when they come in first, but mm-hmm. um, you know, once they see other people trying new things as well, I think it rubs rubs off on everybody. And yes. Everyone gets those questions answered too. Do you know like? What do I do with this piece? Like the whole day is just one big conversation while we're painting. It's just, I absolutely love them. They're like I the best the fun idea ever. Of that. Yeah. yeah, and then afterwards, like you just see a sea of color emerging, uh, oh. like as people start painting. So it's it's great. Like it's a really furniture good. flipping party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's full day. It's real hands on as well. So I make sure everyone gets like. Right into the nitty gritty. Okay, yeah. I'll definitely talking to you about that now after yeah. the show for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, people can find your book Furniture Flips where. Um, if you go onto my website, I'll link off uh, all the uh, stockists um for the book and uh yeah, right. it, it, my website's joanncondon.com. And we've to let you go because you're actually launching the book today. I know. I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I have a small group of people that I'm going to get painting. I wouldn't have a book launch unless some they had brushes in their hands. So. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations again a wonderful book Furniture Flips and uh, thanks for coming into studio Thanks very much Lorraine Thanks for having me My next guest is described by those who know her as calm collected straight talking no nonsense and the most organised person that you'll ever meet She became one of Ireland's best known quantity surveyors from her appearances on RTE's Room to Improve with architect Dermot Bannon and has her own QS consultancy business. Patricia Power, the most famous quantity surveyor in the country. You're very welcome to The Home Show. Uh, thank you so much, Lorraine. That sounds brilliant. I could listen to that all day. I think oh, you need to say you, it again. You are brilliant. We've spoken many times over the last few years when I was hosting the permanent TSB Ideal Home Show. And a question that always came up from the audience was whether you're building or renovating, doing an extension, when do I need a QS? Because not every project really requires one. No, no. And I would be very honest with people and I would say there does need to be a certain value of work, you know, so there needs to be a certain quantity or chunky, meaty work to engage a QS. So I would always kind of put that on a value range of anything that's probably 250,000, 300,000. Anything above that, you probably need a QS. Okay. And the reason being... I suppose anyone spending 250, 300 and above is a large amount of money. It's like for some people, it's taking out a mortgage again. It's a big investment. Um, so it's very important that you get the right advice and you get it early on. Yes. And I suppose what I always say to people is a lot of people have a wish list. 
mm-hmm. and then they have a budget and nine times out of ten they never match you know just because you want something doesn't mean you can afford it yes. so the advantage of bringing in a quantity surveyor is to put reality on the cost at a very early stage and that is reality on the design that the architect has drawn up um, and to to advise then the client that, you know, this is going to cost maybe 300000 and but you only have 200000 or, you okay. know, and then that is the time to do the work and put in the time and the effort at the design stage. Um, so, so you're not going back and then making costly mistakes. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so everything, firstly, in the right order, you can help with that. So yeah. you need need to really come in at the very start of the project so that, as you said, your design matches your budget. Exactly. Um, so I'd always say to people, after you've kind of gone through the initial design stage with the architect and before you go for planning, yes. you know, that's when you should get a QS to cost the plan to advise you this is in the range of X. So you know how it sits against your budget. Okay. You, know? you do sound, um, a quantity surveyor sounds... Expensive. <laughs> what can people expect to pay in terms of a fee? Like, is it worked out on a percentage? Um, it can, some some will work out in a percentage. I try and lump sum it for my clients. So I'll give a set fee for the early stages, which is the detailed cost plan. Mm-hmm. And then possibly um, a percentage for tender, but maybe convert that to a fixed fee. You know, because yes. I'm aware that people are on a budget and they need to know what the bill cost is as well as what the fees are. So it is, good for me to lump sum it and for the client to lump sum it so everybody knows where it is and then construction stage is generally on a time basis because it's hard to know if the project's going to be on site for six months or nine months or 12 months so that's just that's you, you kind of give an indicator for that stage but like there is QS's that will do limited kind of reduce scope for lesser fees you know so it just depends what you're looking for yes and I suppose it's um in the long run even though it's costing to to involve a QS, you're saving money in the long term because you're avoiding yeah. those costly mistakes. But you're also um, maybe because you're you're getting your your ducks in the right line in a row. Um, you're also avoiding kind of delays on the project, and then you can also tell them about the grants and schemes that might be available to them at that time. Yes. You hit the nail on the head there, Lorraine, just saying, one, you're going to save them money. Mm-hmm. You're going to suggest alternatives if they are over, ways of cutting back, value engineering the project. And I suppose if that is done at an early stage, it really controls, you know, the whole emotions from a client's point of view. They're very realistic in what they can have. So they're not brought down a garden path and six months later, they're really disappointed when they can't afford what they went for planning for or what was on the drawings. You know, their heart yeah. is broken at that stage. So mm-hmm. it's bringing reality to the table early on. That mm-hmm. saves money and then it saves time. I always believe if you put time and effort into at the beginning, everything will run a lot smoother when it goes to tender and construction stage. Everybody is aware of what the parameters are and everyone is realistic of what they can afford and what they can do. So it really does. You do save time and you do save money. There's no doubt about it. And you know, it's an extra fee, but it is well worth it to save it on your construction cost. Absolutely. And the most common mistakes then that you would come across from, from people? Okay, the most common mistakes would be, I suppose, is uh, sometimes a lot of people would come to me and say, the builder's give me a price and you're doing it for X, you know. And generally that is a shell. You're not getting the full package. You're not getting it fit out. You're not getting 
a walk-in turnkey scenario, you know, so mm-hmm. just don't get caught out. Do get, I always believe a, uh, bringing in a QS will give you control of the cost as opposed to handing it over to the builder. Great. Um, and what they do is we generally do a detailed bill of quantities, which lists everything the client wants. The builders price it. It's fair. You can, you can compare between the builders and their rates and pick the best builder that suits you um, on suitability, uh, on kind of the type of job you're doing, and then availability is important. So I would recommend bringing in a QS to control your cost. If you don't do that, you're handing the cost control over to the builder. You're really losing that control element and you're reliant on the builder to be honest and to be upfront and to give you back credit, which, you know. Very important. You also, on your website, have a a list of top tips. They're really, really helpful for anybody who's listening in. Um, I would advise them to go on your website. Can you remind us of your your social, actually, and your website? Yeah, so it's patriciapowerqspm.com. That'll bring the website or the Instagram. Great. Fantastic. Patricia, it's always lovely to talk to you. My goodness, your mind of information and um, always learn things from you. So thank you for, for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure, Lorraine. Thank you. Welcome back to The Home Show with me, Lorraine Keane. Don't forget to listen live or listen back to the programme. We are on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Now, friend of The Home Show, Arlene McIntyre from Vature Design is back with us. And this week, she's giving us her top tips for summer styling in 2023. Arlene, it's great to have you on the show. You're very welcome. Good morning, Lorraine. Thank you for having me. It is summertime, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. And you have some tips for us on how to kind of redesign our homes for spring, summer. Yeah, well, Lorraine, I'm sure your home is absolutely gorgeous as well this time of year. Everybody loves a bit of summer styling. And I like to think that you should kind of prep from the outside in, not just inside, but even like the outside of your home should be styled. So ways of doing that would be just to have a look at your toperies. Do they need freshening up? It's the perfect opportunity to bring a splash of color to your front door entrance. Maybe add in a gorgeous summer wreath, which I love. I love the wreaths on doors. Aren't they so popular? They are. All year round. Before it used to be just Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. So you can get really wonderful eucalyptus ones and then just add in fresh flowers. Yes. Or you can get super artificial ones that can take the weather and the wind and the rain and all that sort of stuff. Or do a mix of both. Or do a Have your kind of background. Uh, Look at your planting at the front of the door, freshen up your front door mat. I mean, all the obvious things, but they really help lift the energy. Mm -hmm. And then when you enter, I think it's all about a fabulous floral arrangement in your hallway if you have a console table. Uh, Scent, I'm crazy about the citrus scents and really kind of zesty punches of scent as you enter the home, I think are really important that they set the tone. A combination of diffusers and scent is important and it's important to couple the same scent with one another. I find a lot of people mix a cinnamon scent up with a citrus scent and maybe they've they've just, you can't do that because okay. one cancels out the other. So, And a lot of the Irish businesses, there's fantastic candles and kind of scent diffuser companies yeah. and you can buy both together. Yes. So you buy the diffuser and the candle to exactly. match and it'll set. Okay. Yeah. So keep your scents aligned. That's really important. Bring in some nautical styling accents, you know, like a beautiful rustic wooden bowl filled with seashells or, you know, all the things. Have fun. Uh, I think getting all the rooms right, your kitchen definitely could go for some beautiful summer styling 
beautiful fresh flowers or faux flowers. There's wonderful alternatives on the market. Maybe plant up some sand on the base with some stones and some corals or a little, you know, whatever you pick up from the beach and create beautiful arrangements in your home. Because that's a holiday kind of vibe. Yeah, Yeah. totally. I cheat there too, a little hack. So I have some really good faux flowers um, and they were expensive, but they look real for that reason. And they're a good investment because I've had them for about 15 years. Yes. So I always have those in a vase. They're predominantly white in colour and then I buy six stems I love of it. whatever I want Me too. add water and then everything looks like you've just spent a small fortune on your bouquet <laughs> on it's the so kitchen true counter. oh my god I'm totally about faux I mm-hmm. think it's really important but it's important to get the quality right so yes. yeah, do your homework on the quality um, make sure you have a look at it before you purchase it especially online you might be disappointed you know the tones and the quality might not be really great but if they're mixed in with real flowers you might get away with it yeah cheat like mad yeah. and coffee table books are really cool too so another nice tip is just to open up a page of a really cool book that has a pop of colour, perhaps of the sea or the beach, uh, position, beautiful candles, again, diffusers, floor arrangements, mm-hmm. freshen up your scattered cushion covers. You don't necessarily need to buy a, a brand new cushion, but maybe go out and get some new covers. That's a great idea. Yeah. Or a throw and throw in a pop of colour or something. Definitely, yeah. Mm. So colours to reach for might be your classic Americana navies, blues, sea greens, you know, all the summer tones. Coral. Coral. I love coral. <gasps> Me too. Love it, love it. Yeah, so definitely. Um, and of course, your dining table, can you can have so much fun with your beautiful wicker placemats. Look at your uh, dinnerware. Introduce something that feels a little more rustic, perhaps a little more casual for okay. your everyday dining. The light linens. Yeah, the light linens. And your bedrooms as well. I love freshening up the linen in your bedroom for the summer. I have summer, spring, summer bed linen and I have autumn winter bed linen. Me too. There you go. And it kind of, it's fun to change up your room. It feels special and seasonal. And, you know, if you have a fur throw, perhaps take that off for the summer, obviously in the spring and go for something lighter. And nice nice white cotton. Yeah, cashmere or something lighter and easier. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And soft furnishings is a really uh, easy way and not an expensive way of changing the look of a room. Correct, yeah. And I think also summer is a really good time, and I often say this to clients, to plan for the autumn. So look at how your home functions. The kiddies are home from school if you have children. Look at how the rooms are being used. Is that an opportunity to maybe catch up on getting some built-in joinery Pulled together before the autumn, before school kicks back in. When all of the tradespeople are in demand. Exactly. So definitely always use this time of the year to plan for the autumn. Oh, very clever. And, and, the and book whoever you need. Absolutely. To, yeah. to come in after yeah. after the summer. Because the sunlight's very unforgiving. You see everything on the carpet. Maybe it needs a good clean. Maybe yes. you need to get your sofas cleaned. Yes. You know, fibre sealed, get them nice and refreshed. Mm-hmm. Um, built-in joinery, maybe you need to add in desks and do some planning during the summer months. And paint your home during the summertime. I think that's a great time to freshen up. What kind of tips would you give people on choosing paint colours? Um, I know what I learned when I was hosting the Permanent TSB Ideal Home Show from a lot of the guests that it's really important to have different colours in different parts of the room and look at how those colours change at the different times of the day. And as you say, in summertime, it's going to change drastically again because of the amount of light and for the length of light. Mm -hmm. But to put the paint the different colours that you might be thinking of on massive cards of white sheet, yep. not on the, the colour that's already nope. on the wall yeah. and move them around yeah. and just buy the little paint pots. Yeah, I, I think that's really important because like the north light is totally different to, 
you know, um, a, a west or south, east facing room. Yes. You really got to play around with the tones. There's undertones that are, are there that kind of play with you mm-hmm. and the light that you're putting that color into. So it really take your time on collecting, uh, rather selecting your paint tone. It's important to get it right. That's not a job you'll ever want no, to do your again. your front Ugh. door, paint your front door, freshen up your front door. Remind us of your social again so people can get in it's touch with Arlene you. It's Arlene at Ventura Interior Design or our new design page on mm-hmm. Instagram, which is called Arlene McIntyre Design. Fantastic. And Ventura.ie. Yes. As well. Pleasure, as always, to talk to you. It's great uh, to have you in studio. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Now, remember, if you'd like to get involved in the show, maybe you have a question or you have a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the show, uh, or maybe you're a designer and you'd like to share your work with us. We love supporting Irish and small businesses on the show, then don't forget you can drop the show a text at 53106 for 30 cent or email the show at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And I'm on Instagram myself or Facebook at Lorraine Keane Official. Thank you to Aoife Breen, producer on Sound, Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.